Welcome to Biblical Higher Ed Talk, where we tap into the wisdom of leaders and practitioners of biblical higher education for the advancement of colleges and universities teaching the way of Christ in the modern world. Each week, we'll tackle topics around leading your organization, expanding your impact in the world, and deepening your faith through Christ-centered conversations. Ready to make a difference in the lives of your faculty, staff, and students? Then let's begin our journey. Today on Biblical Higher Ed Talk, I sit down with Josh Beers, president of One Life, to talk about gap year programs. What are they? What's their value? And how can college and universities best partner with these alternative higher education experiences? Thank you for tuning in today. I'm your host, Philip Dearborn, president of the Association for Biblical Higher Education. And we're honored to have as our guest this week, Joshua Beers, or better known as Josh Beers. Josh and I go way back. Hopefully, uh, we'll behave ourselves in this in this podcast, and we'll just behave ourselves. How about that? Josh, Josh is the uh, president of One Life, which is a gap year program with locations in three states, Pennsylvania, West Virginia, as well as in South Carolina. And I've invited Josh to talk about the current state of gap year programs, the value that they bring. Uh, to biblical and Christian higher education, and also just kind of a peek into the future of of, of where gap year uh, programs are going. So, Josh, uh, thank you for for joining us. It's a great privilege to be here with you, Philip, and just looking forward to this time together. Fantastic. So, uh, before we actually jump in and, and talk about gap year programs, uh, as you reflect back over your life with all of your experiences in higher education, before even in higher education, what would be a defining moment that God used in your life that kind of propelled you forward, either your professional life or your personal life? It's a great question, Philip. And I think for me, when I reflect back on that, and there's multiple times in life, but I really look back to being actually a college student saying yes to God in my life, but not sure what that was going to look like, not sure if God could really use me, not sure where it was going to flesh out, and having a college coach and professor come alongside me and see things in me that God, my parents, others had invested in, but I didn't see in myself and just really. God used him and that season in my life to deepen me and to really change the trajectory of my life. And there's been multiple people then along the way, but I often think back that there hadn't been a Jim Phillips. I'm not sure there would be these other milestone moments along the way. Yeah. Isn't it amazing how, and I've had conversations with several leaders uh, who are in higher education, whose lives have been impacted in the context of higher education. And while I'm sure you appreciated the academic, I know you appreciated the academics in the classroom and the soccer field. It was, those things were all great, but it was somebody who invested and saw potential in, in who you were. Is he still in your life? Do you still connect with him? He still is. I, I've often said he's probably, if I was to make a major life-changing decision right now, lost my dad 20 years ago, he would probably be the first person I would call. And I certainly would be somebody I would not make any major life decision with. So here we are, 35 years removed from when he first entered my life and still an active part of my life because of that life-on-life investment that he made into me that saw beyond the academics or the athletic field into Mm -hmm. my own personal heart and life. Yeah, and that's really shaped even your your 
how you even approach leadership and what you feel called to, because I've had the opportunity to see you in action and you're all about investing in that next generation and students. I mean, there was, there were always students uh, who are wanting to see Josh Beers and you've spoken into so many, so many lives uh, along that way. So it's pretty cool how one relationship turns into, it kind of sounds like what discipleship is all about. So let's talk gap year programs for the listeners who may not necessarily know or familiar with what, what even is a gap year program. Give us kind of a high level summary uh, of, of what they are. High level is exactly what the word describes. It's taking a gap after you, the formal K through 12 education for a student to take anywhere from usually six to nine months, maybe up to a year to pause that formal education of being in the academic classroom to basically in a broad sense, to experience life or figure life out a bit. Some people use it to serve, to travel, some work, but basically to explore a little bit and really kind of get a, a kind of a sense of, okay, what's next in life? For many, that's more formal education. For others, it's that gap leads into what the trade or career path that they're going to go on. Yeah. So have they been around for, for a while? I mean, is this a fairly recent development or have we always had this gap year maybe called something different in the past? Well, it's way more popular in Europe than it is uh, here in the United States. So it's growing in popularity. It's quite common actually in other countries for students after high school to take a gap type experience. In America, it's less than 3% of students who are involved in taking a gap experience formally. There's a lot of people taking a gap and calling it that, but really not doing anything. When we refer to gap, we're saying there's something intentional that I'm doing in that time. But I will say this also, and it's such a timely conversation, Philip, for us to have, it more than doubled during the pandemic. So literally, there's twice as many people taking a gap year now than there was three years ago. So what make that connection. Why do you think the, why do you think the pandemic has, has caused that influx? For me, as best I can tell, there's a lot of students who started to look first at who they are. And I think that's some of what a gap year allows you to do is kind of a time of discovery. When we talk about One Life, the gap year program I'm at, we talk about God being more interested in who they're becoming than what they do. Obviously, some of the negative publicity around student loans has magnified parents being not so quick to jump in. Before I put that many dollars into my students' next level of education, I want to make sure they have direction. So parents are playing a key role as well. But I don't think there's a major factor that, that the, I think the pandemic accentuated some things that were needing to be addressed. And the gap year has become a, a outworking of that or an outcome of one of the solutions to perhaps a different approach to life after high school. Yeah. I wonder too, I saw recently, um, and this is well-documented both at the physical level, as well as the mental, social, a delayed adolescence that's happening where maturity isn't happening at the same rates. Puberty isn't happening at the same rates as, as what it had in the past. And I wonder if perhaps that's contributing to, to a high school student who's, who's just not ready yet for whatever that next step is. I, I couldn't agree more. And I actually think this presents a great opportunity. I'm so thankful that you're leaning into this from the higher education side, because I think gap years are actually going to be extremely beneficial to higher education because of what you just described. There's some maturing 
to maximize those college years that sometimes can be really beneficial in a student's taking a year to go a little bit deeper and perhaps add some responsibility or accountability to, to their life that perhaps is missing. Yeah, I remember. And I wonder if they're perhaps one of the, the, the forerunners, at least in the United States, when it came to gap year programs. But we're Life Bible Institute in Scroon Lake, New York. I would think kind of probably would fit some of what a gap year program is. Absolutely. And they'll spend a little more time than some gap years do in the classroom. But again, all the service they do with retreats and they're actively involved in volunteering and doing things. That's exactly right. Some of that. And I think we'll talk about this in the next few minutes, this idea. There's some little, you know, one-offs that are emerging that higher education would be wise to pay attention to because we're a gap year who offers college credits. Well, are we really a gap year then? Are we a first year experience? And so there's those dynamics. I think word of life is one of those bridges and how they do it of, hey, you can earn credits to transfer some places, but we're really focused on your heart as much as we are on, you know, helping you finish your freshman year. Right, right. Yeah, I remember those days when the Word of Life was was doing their thing. I, it was in a youth group in the Philadelphia area. They would run out those, you know, like a, after a 76ers game, they would have a huge rally and Jack Wartson would be there. Wartson, I think it was. And that's how they that's how they recruited for their program. So you, you've been at the helm of One Life now for three years. So that's enough time, at least for a Josh Beers to be dangerous now. But what is what has energized you the most in your leadership at, at One Life? Without a doubt, it's been being able to get a little bit more hands-on with students. So it's been incredibly energizing. In some ways, again, you know, I, my, my first year was right in the middle of the pandemic. And so all of a sudden, we're trying to say, how are we going to do this? Can we even do our gap year program in, with the restrictions being put in place? And instead, we went deeper with students. It was absolutely amazing. And if there's probably something that, that has energized me the most is to, again, be reinvigorated with that God is at work in the lives of the next generation. And to be part of that is wakes, it's what wakes me up every morning and sometimes keeps me up at night. Yeah. And I think that's for all of us who serve in, in biblical higher education, you know, there, there's a lot of negative out there uh, about this next generation of, of students. Uh, honestly, when you look at the, the context in which they're coming from, it's amazing that they are where they are. And to be able to be hands-on with that and influence those lives and shape those lives definitely is a good thing. What's been your biggest challenge? Well, you began to touch on it there, Philip. The reality is, is it's really hard being a young adult today. And, you know, we, we talk about, you know, we're, we're not that old, but we're getting up there. We didn't, when we came home from school or from practice or whatever it was, we kind of got to turn it off. They don't ever get to turn it off. And the burdens and complexities of what took place the last few years, combined with just the, the brokenness in our world, they're carrying more baggage and more burdens than I think any generation of students I've seen. So my heart is burdened for them deeply, but what a challenge. And I could share multiple illustrations of it. Even this year, students coming to us are saying, I just want to see what a healthy marriage looks like. Or I want to see what a, you know, there's just things that they're bringing to us. And so that's heavy. And so it's both energizing and exhausting at the same time if you're going to invest into the next generation, especially if you're going to get into their life. If you're just going to teach them and walk away and transactionally move along, it's probably something you can distance yourself from. But the 
universities and colleges and schools you serve in biblical higher education, that's not what they're about. And so the work has gotten increasingly challenging while also being very rewarding. So I'm curious, Josh, and you're because uh, you've been in a in a higher education setting, more more traditional, a freshman, sophomore, junior, senior. So you've observed students, you've served as a, a enrollment officer, you've uh, served over student development. The amount of growth maturity that happens in a typical college setting in the freshman year, as compared to the growth that happens in a gap year program. Are, are they similar? Do, do the students who are in the gap year program, do they? are you able to go further with them? It's a great question, and you're going to have it answered from a guy who's biased, but I've seen both sides to it. We should go further in the gap year I'm in because we put the students in groups of 25 to 30. So by the very nature of our program, you know, we're not bringing in 2,000 students or even 200 students. We're bringing in 100 students to four locations. And so we're going to get much sooner into their journey and into their personal story. And we're going to be able to walk alongside them. We're already aware of situations two weeks into our gap year program right now that often took me in the setting I was in months to have revealed, or an RA would come to me and say, hey, we have a student issue that's come to our attention. So by the nature of how we do a gap year program and the personalization of it allows us to go deeper, quicker, which allows us to walk alongside. And usually we see growth happening at a faster level. Uh, We watched, in fact, I was on the campus of two different universities in the last uh, month and that have One Life students on them. And both of those have key student leaders from One Life in almost all their areas of student leadership as sophomores and juniors. So that points to perhaps that expedited growth simply because we're putting them into the experiential laboratory, not just the lecture hall. Biblical Higher Ed Talk is sponsored by ABHE, the Association for Biblical Higher Education. At ABHE, bringing the love and light of Christ to the world is reflected in our drive to see our member institutions flourish, leading them to a time of success for their institution and giving them the tools and insights they need to look toward the future. Interested in learning more about membership with ABHE? Visit us at abhe.org or send us an email to membership at abhe.org. ABHE is your partner committed to advancing biblical higher education for kingdom impact. Now, back to the show. What would your gut say, those who graduate from a gap year program or from One Life, what percentage go on to Christian higher education, secular or higher education or no higher education at all? Yep. So we've been, we have that data. We track it each year. We've been, this is, this is our 11th year, so 10 years, and we've had about 70% of our students go on to higher education. So they continue their formal education, 30% enter directly into the workforce or pursuing a trade, something that is outside of formal education. Out of those 70%, probably close to 90% of them choose a faith-based Christian college university. So so to the listeners, from a recruitment perspective, uh, because of the growth that happens in that gap year program, the observations that you've made that they're leaders on other college campuses, that's a pretty, I would say, a very high value target to bring to campus because of the experiences that they've had, the maturity that they've had, and everything's not guaranteed, obviously. 
but uh, they're going to flourish. They're going to do well in a Christian higher education setting. Absolutely. And we've watched, not only watched that take place, we've seen them enter the class, the formal classroom a little more hungry to learn. Because when you're out there and you realize you don't have all the answers, you tend to come back then for, you know, it was for me and some of my grad work. It was like, wow, at 24, I was like, where was all this teaching when I was in college? Well, it was all there. I just had gotten my feet wet and had gotten beat up a couple of times. And now I was hungry to come to the classroom. And that's what we see with sometimes these gap year students. They want to ask more questions, which allows professors then to go deeper into their lives. Right. Right. So as, as you look at gap year programs, the way they are now, some, some of the ways that they fit within higher education are, are pretty obvious, but go a little bit deeper with it. How do you see them fitting in the overall landscape of biblical and Christian higher education? I think it starts with leadership at every college and university asking that question. I've had four calls with college presidents in the last uh, six months who are saying, how does this fit? Where does it fit? What should we be doing? How do we get connected? And so the, the ones who are on top of what's taking place um, with young people today are asking those questions. So the fact that you asked it is fantastic. I think it starts with reminding ourselves that we're in this for students. And so if a student, there's been students who have said to us, I think I want to do this, but I'm really being pressured. They're saying I won't get my scholarships and not just from faith-based schools, from non-faith-based schools. I don't want to say it critically, but somewhere in the conversation, we've said, listen, what's best for you? What, what's God doing in your life? And I think leadership asking those questions, saying if we're playing the long game of what's best for student development in their lives and maturing as Christ followers, then we're going to say, is this the right interim step or the launching pad for them to join us down the road a little bit? I think it's I think that piece of the equation, recognizing that for some, this is going to be a key to college success for them. They've got to get this first step. So the best thing I believe colleges can do is say, how do we partner together? What resources? Um, there are things that without our academic partners, we couldn't do what we're doing as a gap year program. And so the schools and universities are saying, how do we come alongside gap year programs that are popping up all over the place and saying, what can we do to strengthen one another as we seek to reach the same group of students is where it begins. Sure. And so we are partnered right now with two universities, Cairn University in Langhorne, Pennsylvania, that is partners for three of our sites. And then, well, we're actually with, they're with all, but North Greenville University in South Carolina is our academic partner down there. And we say academic partner, that allows us then, because they are the, they grant our credits, which then makes our students eligible for uh, state grants and loans and federal aid. Uh, they help us process all of those things. But what they do is they validate the what we are teaching and experiencing, and because we operate off of their specific syllabi, we have the same outcomes that a student who might be sitting in a traditional classroom would have. And so what, what it allows us to do is, again, bridge that gap to students who might not sit as many hours just in a classroom. There are still, we teach in a block format, so they'll have significant teaching in a lecture type format. But then we go out into the world to continue that learning. And that's where we have the experiential, the travel, all those different dynamics. But that we couldn't do it without a partner that is accredited and has gone through all the different dynamics. So we don't have to jump through all those hoops. So I often say it's an interdependence. I can't do it without my academic partners. And hopefully we strengthen the great work that they're doing because of our missional alignment. 
it becomes an, a value add for the student and their experience. Because technically, you could have one life with no association with any college or university simply. And, and I'm sure these things exist where it's just a gap year program with no connection. But the value add piece are the students uh, are, are getting college credit for the time. What, at, at what credit levels uh, do you have at this point? So we have 27 to 30 credits. So almost the equivalent of a freshman year of school right now that we have. And those are broken out 15 gen ed credits and 15 Bible credits. So we have students who transferred last year from South Carolina to Clemson University and Clemson gave them 21 credits, took two of their Bible credits as electives, and then the 15 gen ed credits. And you said it well, Philip, it's a value add. We're passionate about discipleship, developing and launching servant leaders to live out their faith in every area of life. The college partnership has strengthened our hands. Parents get excited about that aspect of it. Students get excited about travel. When it's all done, everyone talks about community and discipleship. And that's really, in essence, what we are as a gap year. But where I think higher education could really help is there are gap years happening all over the country that if there was connections made, they are fulfilling three, six, nine credits. It doesn't have to be 30 credits. It could just be, wow, this could serve as this component of their faith development and then could connect mission fit students with, wow, this is an onboard opportunity as we partner together. Yeah. Are you seeing any colleges, you're a separate organization that's partnered with colleges, right? So you're independent in the sense of you have your own board and and you function independent from, but in relationship with. Are colleges looking at this and saying, boy, maybe we reinvent our f- entire first year into a gap year? Have, have you seen that as an option? So in full candor, we've had the conversations with a couple schools. It's a significant amount of work and adjustment, and there's layers of that with faculty as well. So no one has gone to that implementation stage. But I will say to you, and it could get me in trouble with my own board, I would love to get to a point where we were thinking about this so proactively that there was a semester devoted or a year devoted to this that would make us have to adjust as a gap year program because colleges would implement this so that so many freshmen, I mean, the retention rate freshman and sophomore is a concern for almost every university. Is there a way to bridge some of that by having those conversations They've gotten to conversation stage, Philip, with multiple schools, because I've been part of some of those conversations. They've not gotten to implementation stage. Interesting. Interesting. And I, I you know, it'd be a, a further conversation to say, where, where is that breakdown? Where I would think there, there would be a, an, an advantage because, you know, we're, we're talking at the highest level of this, but I, I know the work and intentionality that it takes in order to run a gap year program. And the resource that it takes is is not insignificant and mostly probably more on the people's side than the actual cash, which, you know, it, it translates ultimately into into the, the, the fiscal side of it. But I mean, th- these are these are one on one situations where, you know, faculty members, staff members are pouring into these students. Exactly. And I think that's where we've kind of been able to come alongside a couple of them and say, hey, after they've looked at what we do, they said, well, why don't you just come do it <laughs> instead of we'll do it? It just is an easier path. And we're in some of those conversations right now. OK, that would be great if we could take a cohort of maybe 30 students that might be in that in between. That's what some of the universities have said, some students who are, aren't sure. Could we try it as like a cohort type model on our campus? And so we are down the path of some of those conversations. And I hope others take that baton and run with it. 
Mm-hmm. That's great. What? So we, we've kind of touched on this next question a little bit, but go a little bit further with it. What, what can colleges do to best partner with gap year programs? Like as you're looking at, you know, ABHE 157 institutions, what, what can those institutions do uh, to partner with you uh, so that it's a win-win for both institutions? I really believe embracing that gap years are here to stay and saying, what can we do to strengthen what is happening at the gap year? so that those students know of the incredible opportunities that all the schools represented in ABHE. Without a doubt, if we could have more of the students who are in gap year programs get into our colleges and universities in biblical higher education, it would have a transformational impact because they're bringing life experience into it. So I would just say asking questions and partnering with those gap year programs they come across and saying, what can we do to strengthen your hands? And then showing them all the ways that our schools could strengthen the hands of those students. So what, so they do this incredible gap year, then what? Well, biblical higher education is a great answer for 70% of our students. I wonder how many other gap year programs aren't aware of some of those options because those connections, the partnerships haven't been uh, built or bridged. Yeah. And, and uh, I, I would think a very easy thing to, to show partnership or support would be when they have students who are transferring over to accept, you know, credits that, that have been uh, earned uh, through that, uh, through, through that experience. So vision for us a little bit, which is always a dangerous thing to do because this is on record and somebody's going to look this up in five to 10 years and laugh at us both, but vision ahead a little bit. What, what do you see gap year programs looking like in the next five to 10 years? Is this just a trend and it's going to go away or is it going to morph into something else or still be the same thing that it is today? And I don't pretend to see the future, Philip, but the question is such a valid one to be asking because if we look at what has been happening we're seeing the traditional four-year student becoming less and less because we've seen education pull into the high school realm. Well, the byproduct of that has been this gap year component of, well, what does that look like? So I am envisioning that parents aren't, there's fewer, there's more and more parents who are asking good, hard questions, which, which paves the way for gap programs done with excellence to really carve out a greater niche in both the aspects of credit granting and value adds and great partnerships, but also in before you send your son off and start spending 20, 30, 40, $50,000 a year, you let's talk about who he is, or let's help your daughter figure out where she, where she is in life and then go. So we're seeing the trending upwards of a number of partners and people in the gap year world. Obviously, the, I think the pandemic spiked it, but we're not seeing a return down now. We're actually seeing more students continuing. We had 400 plus additional leads this past year of students exploring the possibility. So it's gaining traction. It's still not the, well, if I don't know what I'm going to do, somehow students still default sometimes to college and university. But I would say we're seeing more and more saying, you know what, this is a valid option for us. And so I predict five, 10 years from now, it will be, I, I hope biblical higher education will be saying one of our top feeders is the gap year programs that we're connected and partnering with. So we have a couple couple of minutes before we have to close out. I happen to know your age because we're we're very close. I, I think you're older than I am. Don't remind me, Philip. But yes, quite qu- quite quite a bit older than I am. So you have more wisdom to share. And I don't know about you, but I'm finding in in my life I'm kind of in that in between stage of 
maybe I am old, I don't know, but old enough to know some things and to have some some wisdom. So for young leaders, young listeners to this podcast, what what's a word of advice that you would give to them as they're exploring their leadership journey in biblical higher education? I would say, and it's scary to say this, Philip, because now I'm referencing my journey in decades. So just completing my third decade or just about to complete my third decade, when I think back, I think my path has been paved by people who were ahead of me. And I would just say, keep finding someone that's a few years ahead of you and gleaning all you can from them while staying true to who God created you to be. Um, Phil, you were a few years ahead of me in higher education. And so I was saying, what can I learn from you? There's people who are, your children are just a tad older than mine. And I've picked your brain on some of those things, but finding people who are just a little bit ahead of you and then just asking them questions. And um, one of the joys of my heart, and I would maybe add this as a second point, because you know I'm always going to throw one more thing in there, is uh, be a lifelong learner. If the day students stop teaching us, we should not be teaching students. Every year for the last 30 years, students have been teaching me things. I love them. I take them seriously. But I want to learn from them, not just have them learn from me. And when I learn from them, it's amazing how much then they want me to invest back into their life. Yeah. Yeah. It takes deep humility to do that, right? To not say, well, you're just a, a young whippersnapper. What, what, what do you know? But to actually have them teach you and, and you're, you're better as a result. And in fact, you create the platform to speak into their life then at that point. Well, Josh, I want to say thank you for uh, your time. Uh, thank you for your wisdom. Thank you for the work that you do at One Life. Uh, I've seen firsthand the impact and uh, scores of students, dozens of students, probably hundreds of students who have graduated uh, over the last uh, 10, 11 years uh, are different men and women because of the experience that they had through One Life and specifically working with you. So thank you for that work that, that you do. Thank you, Philip. It's been a joy being with you again. I'm so grateful for ABHE and your leadership. Absolutely. Until next time, stay kingdom focused. Thanks for listening to Biblical Higher Ed Talk. For more, follow or subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast platform. We're delighted that you chose to spend a part of your day with us and encourage you to reach out to us with feedback, topics, or guests for the show. You can get in touch with Philip, your host, via LinkedIn or at biblicalhigheredtalk at abhe.org. Biblical Higher Ed Talk is a production of the Association for Biblical Higher Education in association with Westport Studios. Views expressed on this show are those of the participants and may not reflect the views of ABHE or Westport Studios. Bring light and life to your biblical higher educational organization by inquiring about membership with ABHE at abhe.org. We'll catch you next time.